Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. As usual, the well could be bleak, it could be miserable. So we're here and we want to bring you a little bit of joy, just a little bit. So with that being said, I'm Bradley, joined once again by Stu. How are we this week, Stu? Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> I'm all right. I guess I'm on going. Where's the joy, Stu? Where's the Where's joy? Where's the joy? Uh, there's there's joy in quite a lot of things. I'm going away on holiday next week, which is nice. I haven't been away to anywhere new for years, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's good. Excellent. I technically go on holiday next week as well. Uh, well, from the, next Friday over the weekend, can't wait up to Liverpool, and I'm gonna I'm gonna meet some dashing person up there at some point as well. He's, he's going to be wearing a red rose and he's going to meet me outside Anfield, possibly, or even in town, who knows. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Some dashing fellow will be there wearing uh, easily take-offable clothing, you know, close to an alleyway, perhaps, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, just... Oh, you're going you're gonna to wear a pair of those old Kappa tracksuit bottoms that will pop all the way up the side? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd fit in. That's about right for Liverpool. A bear trackies oh, from the nineties. <laughs> um, I love Liverpool. It's a great city. It is. It is. It is great. Looking forward to going. Um, but yeah, no. So um, just so the people know, we've recorded a double episode today. It'll be split over two parts. Um, this week we're going to be talking about the games we've been playing as we usually do, um, and for next week you'll get the the mental health stroke public affairs chat. Uh, we also want to do it this week, obviously, because it's a certain person's funeral on Monday. And I'm worried that Spotify might shut down, that Adobe might shut down, that Windows might shut down, because everything else seems to be shutting down. Because, you know, the Queen always wanted everyone just to sit miserably in their homes or queue for eight hours. Either way. So we're getting it all out the way this week. Yeah. Something else that you can queue for for eight hours is a good midnight release of a video game, Stu. <laughs> so, there's a segue for you. What have you been playing? Well, I'm glad that you qualified it was a midnight release of a game, because uh, you know, <laughs> midnight release is a whole different topic. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been playing a couple of things. The first one I want to talk about is uh, Prodeus, which is not Parodius, which is a colourful cartoony shooter from the 80s and 90s released by Konami no 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 not that one Prodeus which is a first person shooter a throwback first person shooter that aims to look like Doom and all the stuff that came out in the aftermath of Doom so like the Sin Engine Duke Nukem all of that kind of thing and it very much takes that template of, of Doom and runs with it. It's got some influences from Doom 2016. But what it looks like is it looks like it's sprite-based. It's got sort of very basic polygons with some very basic textures on them and sprite-based enemies. And yeah, you run through the levels. They're, they're very similar to the Doom structure, so they're kind of like mini mazes on lots of different levels and you need sort of keys to get into certain areas and it works really really well it's it's a surprising success to me it kind of the the fact that it uses this traditional old-fashioned look means that they can have tons and tons of stuff on screen without it you know causing any hassle to anybody whatsoever 
that makes you able to chuck in a load of mayhem and doom is all about mayhem it's about the feeling of things being you know birth from beneath you dropped on top of you coming out of closets not coming out of closets that way back to midnight releases uh you know all of that sort of stuff just that that r- sheer random chaos factor of being in a in a hellish dimension and it's got all of those things and it's got very very clever le- level design lovely weapons with really meaty sound effects each weapon has it could be used generally but it has a specialism that is best against certain enemies it has a great shotgun which is important for these things but not one that overwhelms all the other guns so yeah it's a, it's still in early access it came out originally in 2020 i think but a really excellent fps whichever way you slice it and yeah, very highly recommended. I mean, it could essentially just be called, as a title, technically not Doom. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm looking at the trailer now and all I'm seeing, yeah, it's Doom. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. Um, it's like Doom... Essentially, it reminds me, it's Doom 2016, but without the like the modern day uh, graphical overhaul. Yeah, um, yeah. It looks lovely. It does. That, that style really works. Mm. Yeah, it's not just, oh, you know, oh, we, we're making a game from the era, so we'll use the era appropriate graphics. No, no, they've kind of, they've built it as a modern game and then just chucked out the stuff from modern games that they don't want and they find boring and kept in all the stuff that the genre has kind of lost over the years so we, i mean even though it does have a lot of doom 2016 influence it, it's definitely a mashup between that and the original yeah uh, especially with the kind of yeah just the sheer volume of enemies and the fact that you can't just press forward all the time and and the the ammunition is much more restricted and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's, it's, it's good the bounced it so nicely oh yeah and if someone said to me this is a this was a um a prototype for the Doom 2016 re-release based on the original Doom engine. I'll just be, yeah, okay, I see that. It's yeah, yeah. I've added that to my wish list. Um, I'm gonna pick that one up at some point, I think. Um, yeah. However, like when you first said you'd be playing Proteus, I had to double check. Go, bloody hell, that's an old game. Not because you really, I thought you was playing Proteus because if you change that D for a T, you get a very very different game. Yes. Yes. Uh, one that came out on the Vita a little while ago, and it's just a walking sim through pastel-shaded, flat, wooded, open area things that was just a lovely, relaxing time. This is the total opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a funny one. I don't know where they got the title from, because, like, Proteus, wasn't he, the, like, the the god that came from the brow of Mercury or something? I don't know. I can't remember. No, all but, I remember it was a Vita game that I wandered around in. Yeah, it was definitely that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a funny title, but yeah, it kind of works and doesn't matter. Yeah, but no. uh, yeah, lovely stuff. Added to add, does it wait, play? Uh, have you played it on the Steam Deck? Yeah, that's it, entirely where I've played it. Yeah, full, fully, fully supported, fully native. It's really good. Sweet. I think I'm going to give this a go and see if I can set up the uh, flick stick to practice it because this looks like a game that should be best with mouse and keyboard, which I can't do. Um, so I'm going to, I might pick this up and do that as my practice game for um, flick stick. Cool. Yeah, good plan. Uh, which again is nothing to do with midnight releases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Going on a lot of faith here. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, that, that, that looks absolutely wonderful. Uh, but they've heard of it before as well. So, yeah, cool. Excellent. Uh, so, I'm going to talk about a game now. One that I feel I owe the entire world an apology about. Because the entire world kept telling me how good this game was. And I was like, I don't get it. It's not working for me. Of course, I'm talking about every Ubisoft game. No, I'm not talking about any Ubisoft games. Um, Hollow Knight. <laughs> oh, so I went on a bit of binge. I put on some Binding of Isaac. I like playing a bit of Binding of Isaac. By the way, I'm rubbish at Binding of Isaac these days. I can barely get like past the second boss <laughs> level on on there now. Um, yeah. But I think that's down to my sight more than anything because I can't see where some of the enemies are. Um, Ed McMillan, I know you're listening. You're not listening, but couple of accessibility options would be nice okay just some glows or something around the enemies just so i know what's what like dead cells does also play dead cells and dead cells has amazing accessibility options where you can put um uh outlines around all the different enemies in yourself you can change the background uh hue and stuff like that so you can basically make it so you can see properly but anyway so i went through a bit of a kicker playing some of the like some of my favorite games i've enjoyed on the switch and as I'm going through a list of, of games, uh, platformers and stuff like that, there's Hollow Knight. And I went, to tell you what, fourth time, let's give this a go. Right? If it doesn't click this time, then that's it. Until maybe a few years down the line where I try it again. But anyway, <laughs> I'll go fourth time. And after like half hour, I'm going, no, 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 I still. And then 20 minutes after that, I, something clicked. I just went, Oh, yeah. I get this game now. I get it. And I realised what my issue was. When I first played Hollow Knight, I think I was playing it as though I was expecting a roguelike. So I was going hell for leather. I was like, ah, oh, we'll just see what happens and I'll go again. I was dying, but obviously I wasn't getting upgrades and things like that. And it just never clicked. Whereas this one, I played it at a much slower pace. Played it much more like the Metroidvania than it actually is. Um... And yeah, it just clicked. Um, took my time with bosses. Uh, Realised that, you know, you get uh, benches you can rest at just before bosses. So you can just go back and repeat them quite easily and learn their patterns and beat them that way. And I'm now just enjoying, gradually exploring and gradually opening up the map. Uh, but yeah, it's just really, really clicked. And I can see now why so many people are so excited for Silkson. Because, yeah, it's just absolutely, it's a beautiful game. And it's the mechanics are just nailed spot on. Um, so here is my public apology for absolutely slamming the game over the past few years. It's brilliant. Oh, cool. Glad you like it. Yeah, I, I played it. I quite liked it. <clears throat> I was never there quite as much standing for it as a lot of people were. I, I mm. th- it's, but I would never criticise the game for that. It's it's definitely a personal feeling. And it's one of those that it, it's very much about the atmosphere. It, it's like yeah. it, it makes you stay in areas that you've probably like seen everything in and can be bothered doing everything in um, quite a lot and for quite a long time. And if you get immersed in the the kind of story and the atmosphere, then that's what you want. You want to be part of that world. It never quite clicked with me that way, so I was a bit kind of like, yeah, I just want to get to the next bit, get to the next bit. And because there's no map, or no sort of main map in the traditional 
Metroidvania. Yeah, away. you have to you have to buy maps yeah. and then map it out yourself. Yes, um, and they're very often at the end of the section that you've just completed, so it it gives you them in retrospect kind of thing. Yeah. So I found that a bit funny. It wasn't really to my taste, but again, not criticizing it. I think it's a great game. But um, yeah, no, it's really cool that it's clicked with you because I would I am still buying the sequel. I even yeah. if even if I'm not its biggest fan, it's one of those that I. I want to be a part of when it comes out, so I'm definitely getting it. So, yeah, excellent. Uh, but it leads me to a question. Is Hollow Knight the biggest indie game ever released? Oh, Pro- probably not by a long... What about Minecraft? Was it? Isn't that classed as indie before it was taken over by Microsoft? It was, but it's not anymore. Yeah, but I mean even... I'm just thinking in terms of anticipation for what a sequel brings. Um... Maybe, maybe. Because I think you look at others like Binding of Isaac, I think because of the way that has just been built on, uh, which I think, so by, by the way, um, Edward Miller's way, well, apart from the way stuff is sold, but the continually just building on the original, I think is brilliant, a way of doing a game like that. Um, but I, I was going through it and I just couldn't think of an indie game that has that many people so excited for what's to come. Um I just, yeah, I just honestly couldn't think of one. Um, and I want to be proven wrong. Minecraft, yeah, is a great shout because it was indie. Um, but I think that went beyond indie so, so quickly. Um, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just can't think of like oh, any others where I'm going, oh, I've heard of that, but some people definitely haven't. Hollow Knight just seems to be the one where, I mean, I, would, I think I've said this quite before, even before I started like going, oh, I get this now. It's just the darling. It is the indie darling. You, you know, you look back at was it indie game the movie? You had like Super Meat Boy, Fez, Biden uh, of Isaac, things like that that was in there. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of popularity and expectations, I don't think they even touch anywhere near close to what Hollow Knight became in the end. It is like maybe not the biggest, maybe not like it's in terms of numbers, but I think it's the poster child for an indie title now. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Absolutely. I still prefer Dead Cells though, much better. I well, Dead Cells is one of the best games I've ever played. <laughs> it's going to take a lot to top that. It really is. It, it's just so good. I just want Dead Cells accessibility options into uh, Binding of Isaac. That would be nice. And there's my holy grail right there. Yeah. Uh, because I, honestly, I I did I've completely didn't even think about it. And like I play, start, again, I started playing Dead Cells. I played it all on the Switch before, uh, which actually leads me to something else very quickly in a sec. But started playing it on the Switch, and I, I booted it up on the Steam Deck um, earlier this week, oh, last weekend, sorry. And I started playing it. I went, oh, to see what the accessibility is, and I was just blown away by the amount on there. Um, a little bit convoluted in terms of you can change everything. You can change the hues and the background, but you then got to go into the game to see how it actually looks. With uh. I would have liked the Spider-Man option where as you're changing it, it's got a sample that shows you how it all comes together. That yeah. would have been nice, but that's nitpicking. The fact it's all there is brilliant. Sweet. And yeah, I've got that set up to play how I want. Uh, but the point it brings me to as well, is I'm playing like Dead Cells and I'm playing um, like Hollow Knight and I'm finding them easier on the Steam Deck than I did on the Switch. Um, Now, I played Dead Cells before I started having my eye issues, so it's nothing to do with that. Um, I think it's just the comfort of the Steam Deck. 
um, and that's slightly bigger screen i think it helps it allows you to be patient because i think when you're on the um switch you're in handheld mode. You're almost claw gripping it, and it hurts after a while. So when you get in really tense moments, you, you you tense up, and you can feel the claw hurting. And you're like, I just want to get through this. I just want to get through this bit so I can relax. Um, whereas on the Steam Deck, I feel that I could I can hold it in a more natural way, which allows me to relax that bit more as I'm taking on bosses. If that makes sense. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, one good thing about the controllers I have for you know, the haptic controls I've got for my VR is that they've got grips for the back of your hand and you can kind of just unclench your, your fingers and they'll stay stuck to your hand kind of thing because they've got these yeah. grips. Uh, and that means you can just relax your fingers when you're not, you know, engaged in doing anything. And, uh, yeah, picking, like we were talking about last week with the with the Switch, it's fine for me, but it's not for others. And that form factor is so important for comfort, you know? And for adults especially i think yeah when you you go for the larger size it's often gonna it's often gonna make it more comfortable for the larger number of of adult users so again mm. back to your midnight release really but uh. <laughs> oh dear i think we're calling this title midnight release I, I think we? we are aren't we yeah it's yeah. right there but yeah, that's it for me, really, for games. So have you got any others, Sean? This is really short, this first part. <laughs> no, I've been playing I've been playing a few things. One is really interesting in lots of ways, and that's Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. And Ooh. it's really just so that, like, for pretty much the first time, I think, we can talk about a game-as-a-service game on this podcast, because, like, you and I never play them. And... Uh, the only reason that I do with, with Destiny is because it's just such a good game. It's got that core bungee game loop that is really good. And I just decided, like, the game itself is free, um, free to download. It's like 100 gigs, so you really have to think about it before you do. Um, but I got the DLC for 12 quid, which is really quite cheap. Haven't played it for years, literally. And, yeah, booted it up. Really impressed with how it looks still it's quite old and it's designed to run on older hardware but it still looks very good which is great and that's a testament to Bungie's design absolutely fantastic they everything they do in terms of world building is just absolutely chef's kiss and I don't think they've ever yeah. dropped in standard or quality from it which is great the gameplay is just as tight and just as good as it ever was what it has changed is the is the back end there's so much now so there's like and i understand the necessity for this so obviously like you have your character classes and then you have like all the types of weapons that they can have within that and then there's the types of special moves and then there's this and then there's that and all that's fine and you're used to sort of mentally tracking that and that's fine what it then has of course is events and categories and banners and sigils and on and on and on of things that you can elect to do as bonus side quests or pick up as bounties and they'll help you progress some in some areas some in others and trying to demystify that is so hard when you're a newbie it's just like what does any of this mean none of it makes any logical sense as it appears you have to go down a rabbit hole and you really have to use ancillary material go onto the internet go onto youtube 
and it's kind of expected that that's what you'll do. So the time commitment for that is vast because you've got to understand it live in game. You can't pause the game and learn because the game doesn't pause because it's a live game. And yeah, that makes it really difficult. And I, I think I'd speed through it a bit quicker if I had anyone to play with who knew the game. So I must look around to see if there is anyone. But really all that's to say I haven't got to play any Witch Queen content yet because I'm... No, I don't think I'm anywhere near the level that I need to be, and I've got no idea how to do it at the moment. Yeah, it's oh, Destiny 2. It's one of those games I, I really, really, really want to play again and get into. And I'm just part of me, I'm probably one of the only people that's glad that it's not really workable with a Steam Deck yet. But I, I, I want to play it because the like the idea of of that as a live service game works for me because it's they are free to play etc etc um and the world building i found like first time around was really really good i did enjoy it but it's um i i'm scared by it it just feels so overwhelming now even as someone who played it first time round, like destiny 2 um i i just i just like no there's something intimidating about it. I feel like I won't be useful to anyone, um, and I'll ruin other people's games. And I, but yeah, it's it's something about Bungie. I've managed to make whatever they do, they can make worlds. They can make really amazing worlds. Um, they've showed it with Halo. They showed it with the first Destiny, despite all its problems, and they're showing it again with this. Um, and it's almost in a way how to do a live service properly as well which I'd be pressed by. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The way they bring in seasons and their events and they set the level cap for it and it's kind of timed. All that is really clever. It, it stops it being a microtransaction rip-off hate fest. And yeah, yeah no, that they, they do do that really well. I did, I've well, obviously watched a couple of videos to try and get up to speed and still didn't manage, but they were, <coughs> the videos were saying... Um, basically, that uh, Destiny, uh, you know, Bungie have never really grasped how to bring people into the game. You know, they've never really got a handle on an introductory path into it uh, to explain all the systems well. And I followed it through, and I thought they do an okay job for the basics, um, but they, I don't think they've set aside any time to go into the the more sophisticated stuff. It's just read through a load of menus and go to youtube sort of thing so yeah, yeah and you can't really blame them for that because the vast proportion of their audience isn't going to be coming late to it they'll have been in it since when did it come out 2018 2017 you know and it's a bit like yeah, that yeah it's been a while yeah. so uh they they know where uh, which side their bread's buttered so what i'm interested in is what they do next because I, I i will play destiny but it's not going to be my focus and now that sony own them um, I'd be really curious to see what they do. That, yeah, that's that's so weird that we're going to go from Microsoft exclusive Bungie Halo to potential Sony exclusive Destiny Three. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Weird. And two two very senior people, like the lead and the technical engineer, I think it is at three four three, have just left. They've just left three four three Industries at, at Microsoft. Yes. Um, you know, are they going to jump ship to Bungie? You know, it could happen. Um, Possibly. Uh, 
which I don't know if that would be a good thing, no. <laughs> in all fairness, because the free... Uh, again, Halo, I'm a big fan of Halo, but not, like, um, obsessive like some people. I think Halo's a great series, and I've enjoyed playing all the games, even the lesser ones that other people don't like. Um, but I will admit that I think the Bungie Halos are classics. Yes. I'm not sure I understood that. Nor do I. Google, nor do I. <laughs> that was strange. Um, but oh. yeah, the, you know, the, the, they are absolute classics. Um, and the 343 ones were playable, but I don't know. But, you know, maybe could we see someone like some top people from Bungie leave and go to 343? Let's start some speculation. Yeah, too right. No, I mean, it could well happen because the money's there, you know. Yeah. The, that's where the cash is so yeah could do um, I, I still got a feeling we're going to head down a road where Sony and Microsoft do own all these like studios everything. but I think we'll still see their releases on the rival consoles I think yeah. we I think we've honestly passed the days of proper like the actual companies having console wars I think uh, that's changing because they're, they're two different markets now that they're after it, it's so bizarre and yeah, I can see a thing where Destiny 3 does still come out for Xbox, but we actually get a Halo, future Halo scene on a PlayStation or something like that. Because the bargaining chips that Microsoft have got is like, Sony, what, do you want Starfield? You know you want Starfield. Give us this. You know, let's, yeah. release, let's release this game over here. You know, it's, I, it just, it's going to happen. Because I don't see how any one company can stockpile that many studios and still make money. Because you will lose out on sales. If Starfield doesn't come out on a, a Sony console, they're going to lose however many millions of sales. Yeah. Don't care what it makes on Game Pass. It's losing money. So they will release it at some point, surely. Yeah, and there was a there was a thing like really pertinent to this earlier in the week where, oh, who was it? somebody was having um i think it was whoever the lead is at sony these days i can't keep track i had to go at phil redmond talking about the call of duty schedule the release schedule and stuff saying all oh, of these things are exclusive to microsoft then you know that's terrible for sony well duh you know but secondly you know the, microsoft never said that um and they never would because taking call of duty future releases off the Sony slate would lose them so much money that it would be unviable. You know, they they, they have to have a presence on on the Sony consoles. It's it's got to happen, and that just ties into what you were saying. It's not it's not going to be oh we're hoarding these companies for exclusives because then too many people would l lose out. It's more like the Netflix model of um, yeah we want to own the IP, but we want the option to then let these go to HBO Max or go over to Amazon Prime at some point and just you know we just want to hold the reins we'll we'll give you a long leash just to mix two animal metaphors but you know we'll still own the ip so we'll always get the trickle of cash from the ip even if it's on somebody else's platform and that seems to be where it is at the moment yeah and like you know i always i think microsoft want to move out the hardware side of it to a degree and i think they want to become software they want game pass and i honestly see are we going to have a future whereby game pass is on playstation 6 or playstation 7 because that's what they want they want you to be able to play their games and get subscribed to game pass because that's where the money is 
Yeah. Um, look at Steam. They're releasing Steam Deck at a loss. So clearly the money isn't in hardware. It's not in hardware at all. Yeah. I I remember joking, or not joking, but arguing with uh, people at school, saying, oh, you know, we'll soon get the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Sega Nintendo console come out. Um, as you know, people go, Well, you know, Sega will never work with Nintendo, they hate each other. And then, obviously, you know, they became almost bedfellows in a way with their mascots, and the, the competition's not there, um, really. No one's stepping into that market, and you just can see from Microsoft's point of view, they're changing what they are. Um, it's so blatantly obvious that I think we are headed almost sort of. Almost a one-console future. Obviously, Nintendo are always going to be there as Nintendo. But I think we are heading towards that in terms of that that main fight. Just I think Sony is just going to walk it now. The only issue I see with that is can they, they get away with charging what they want? But where Microsoft are clever is if Sony get too big for their... Um, too big for their whatever. Um, they fail miserably with their hardware... Microsoft are still going, all right, well, you can just play our stuff on PC or stream it via this or stream it to a Nintendo console, whatever. Um, so with Microsoft staying as they are, concentrating on Game Pass, having the studios, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think that still keeps Sony in check as well. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting future moving forward. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to see how it happens. Um, yeah. And it's all because of destiny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to tie it back. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but like us, we, we were saying last week, you know, the Switch has had such a massive impact on this. And talking about PS5 and, and the Series X and Series S machines, it is a bit of a distraction in a way. You are actually, if you're looking at what people see as the future of hardware, you are more actually you're kind of being a better prognosticator if you're looking at the Steam Deck and the vast number of things hitting the market that are like the Steam Deck suddenly, uh, whose play point, whose whose advertising point is you can play, you know, spend 300 quid, you can play everything up to 2005. Spend, you know, 600 quid, you can play everything up to 2015. Pay a grand, you can play everything. You know, the, apart from the Steam Deck, which can play pretty much everything, and is still only like you know four hundred quid or so, but they're taking a loss. But if you if you take your eyes away from Sony and Microsoft and look at who else is producing hardware, they've gone, you know, it's the Switch. <laughs> the Switch is the idea. It's in your hands. You can play it loads. You're not tied to a telly, but you can connect it to a TV if you want. It's basically linked into being able to play PC stuff and emulators, which loads of people love. You know, it that looks to me like, if not the, the entire future, a really big chunk of the future. Which is why you see now the rise of small form PCs coming about now uh, yeah. there's a lot of people say what can we play on a small full pc and integrated graphics chips are able to play very very low res etc etc and you've got to take a lot of hits like Forza horizon 5 can be played on a small form pc with a built-in graphics chip which is ridiculous yeah. this is where uh, you know technology is advancing and uh, that you don't need obviously you'll get the better experience but you don't need a latest 30 or 40 series nvidia graphics card to play a great game uh, 
But you also see it now with not just the seed deck, but all the competitors like the A and the O's and the Ayers and the Rudibus and the other ones and whatever. And all the retro handhelds that are coming out. We're seeing a rise in these. Uh, you know, the steam machines failed many years ago. But uh, again, you've got to look at it and go, did they? Did they actually fail? Yeah. Or was that a test? Because what the first thing people are doing is going, right, Steam Deck's great. We could get SteamOS and that works really well. Now, what can we put SteamOS on a PC or a Linux machine? Because now people want to make Steam machines. Um, and I think a lot of it has come through that original test of Linux compatibility being bad and only having, what was it, 40 to 400 games it only ever got working at all, um, to now going, I've not come across a game that I can't physically play that I really care about. The odd ones where they crash and stuff like that, and I go, I'll wait and see what happens down the line. But I've still got well over 400 games personally that I can play, about a 1,000 that I know that I can play and take, does it work? But, you know, 90% of those do work, you know, and it's, we're growing to that now. I, I, you know, it's amazing what people are doing with technology and we are now seeing what was a tested thing in, what, six, eight years ago? Was it Steam Machines, something like that? Oh, even more, I think, yeah. Um, I, I think we're seeing now that's coming to what they actually want to do. I, 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 you know, I honestly, it's not the death of the console because there's always something to be said about that console ease of use. But when you PC types now are going, right, what, can we make our own console style? front ends that's when i think sony and microsoft have got to sit up and go oh we need to change our game plan a little bit which microsoft have done in all fairness to yeah yes absolutely i might i've got so many so many things i can talk about on this subject it's like really interested in it um uh, there's a there's a big comparison between microsoft and steam so they're gigantic, they're American, they've got a constant revenue coming in that means they'll always be rich, or at least, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. And what Microsoft chose to do is get into the market and be comparatively safe. And when they made, when they went outside of what they're good at and tried to introduce something that was new and fresh, they pretty much failed. So thinking of Connect more than anything. Whereas Steam have done the same thing and failed. But, you know, they've kept at it and going, what are we interested in that the public are also interested in? And they got, like, the controller, the Steam controller, and it was like, yeah, but people aren't, like, the number of people who have a, a PC but want a controller that will play their mouse and keyboard games is tiny. And so that's not that. The, and then the streaming box that they came out with, yeah, some people want that, you know, oh yeah, but it's not perfect. But they've kind of pulled all of that knowledge in together by looking at the Switch and going, people want to be able to play all the time, you know, mm. any time. And they don't want, you know, and that plus consoles prepping people for what PCs are like has helped. So, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm literally in front of where I'm recording are two cartridge-based machines. And there are two actions you need to play a game. Plug the cartridge in, turn on the power. With a console, with a PS5, for example, you've got to do regular maintenance of what games you've got on the hard drive because it'll get too full. You've got to do save maintenance. You've got to do installs. You've got to do updates. You've got to get used to the firmware. You've got to set your display 
you don't have to do calibration. Everything that you're used to doing in PCs, you now, not everything, but a lot of it you have to do in, in mm. consoles. And the gap between them is really, really thin, really narrow. And either by luck or by design, and it's it's as much as one or the other, I think, Steam have happened on the Steam Deck, and it's it may well propel what happens next. Oh yeah, totally. And I don't think like everything they've done is to build this. I don't think like someone sat there and gone, right, let's introduce the uh, Steam Link and Steam Controller. We know it's going to fail, but hey, we've got a long-term plan. I honestly don't think they're playing 4D chess like that. But the genius in the Steam Controller was when they added those pads to the Steam Deck, quite a lot of people who would be interested in being like, we've got to be first adopters of a Steam Deck knew what those pads were and knew how to use them. Yeah. And they still support on Steam the Steam controller. So whenever I go to go to uh, community generated controls on the Steam Deck, you still see all the Steam controller templates as well, and they're still being updated. People still use them uh, because they do like the people that got used to it do like that tactile feedback on on, on those um, pads. The Steam controller's problem was that's all you had. You didn't have analog sticks as well. And that became the problem. And they've learned from that and gone, right, the pads are brilliant. We know these pads are brilliant. And they are brilliant. Uh, but people still want analogue. They need that that physicality there. You can't replicate the physicality of an analogue stick. Look at phones been trying it with the on-screen displays and stuff like that. You cannot replicate an actual analogue stick or buttons with a, a pad, like just a flat surface. So they've put it all in there and... It, yes, it made it bigger, but as anyone who's played one now will tell you, bigger isn't bad. Portability, we've got to get out of this thing where portability is, does it fit in your pocket? Portability for me is, can you play it away from sitting in front of a screen? That's portability. Yeah. Um, even if you've got to take it in a case. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, and all this is built to this. And yeah, I, I, you know, I, again, I don't think it's been 4D chess from the beginning, but they've got some very clever people there have gone, right, why is this failed? Okay, let's do this. And the Steam Link, you know, evolved. You know, the remote is basically remote play is what it was. Well, you can still do that, except now they've put it out to, you can remote play from one PC to another. So you could buy a really expensive PC, stick it in the bedroom, buy a very, very cheap small full factor PC, stick that in your living room under the TV and stream. And the streaming technology has improved tenfold as well now. Yeah. So that's taken out that barrier. So, you know, they've really learned and moved on. And, you know, it's why they're still at the forefront of all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've got cash to burn, which doesn't hurt. No, not at all. Uh, which still surprises me why Google haven't managed to get it right yet. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, I don't know. Um you know, they, they've got more cash than anyone to burn. Um, and Amazon as well. I, well. Amazon are doing things quietly. I'll be interested to see what they actually do down the line. Um, I, yeah. I, I, their Prime, their Twitch Prime offerings or whatever it is, their uh, Amazon Prime or whatever it is, where you get the free games every month. I, there's something to that. They're backdooring somewhere. And I'll be interested to see what they do. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to jump into the future. And I'm going to let you finish off this episode, Stu. Cool, yeah. I mean, I want to talk about... It, well, not on this episode, but in the future, I want to talk about uh, PSVR 2 because mm. that's looking very, very interesting at the moment. And uh, it, there's been a hands-on for journalists this week 
which suggests to me that it's six months out, I would say. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I suppose that's it for the moment. So in the meantime, hope you have a good Bank Holiday Monday if you're in the UK. Uh, of <laughs> Sorry to the unfortunate people who still have to work. That's not fair. <laughs> you know, shouldn't be one rule for one, one rule for another. Although that's the entire basis of our society. <laughs> Apart from that, uh, follow us on all the socials. Join our Discord channel if you want to talk. Back us on Patreon if you'd like, if you can afford it. And thanks to all our existing backers, who I don't thank enough. Thank you to you guys. And apart from that, stay safe and stay sane.